Meet me in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 17. And today, let's talk about the seven pillars of wisdom. You really need these in your life in order to come into the fullness of the glory of God being manifested in your life. It is very, very important that you are walking in wisdom. There are seven pillars that God wants to establish within your heart, pillars of wisdom. And when you have this, you will begin to see amazing fruit began to be produced in your life. Let's talk about it today from James chapter 3, verse 17, and let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is anointed. And so we thank you that it has the ability and the power to remove burdens and destroy yokes. Now, Father, as we study your subject of wisdom today, we ask that you would impregnate us by your spirit, by the seed of your word with wisdom. We ask you for the grace of wisdom, the gift of wisdom, and Father, let us walk in the light of your word, and Father, let us take this and put it to practice today. We thank you that you're taking us into new levels of your glory. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, one of the key attributes of the glory of God is light, the glory uh, when you see the word glory in the New Testament, it refers to light, particularly an inner illumination, the glory of God shining from within outward, praise the Lord. And so in order to come into the wonderful expressions of God's glory, it really is essential that we are walking in the wisdom of God. So verse 17 from James chapter three, it says, but the wisdom that is from above and then it goes on to list uh, various components of the wisdom of God. Actually, they are seven pillars that support and form the wisdom of God within you. But it says the wisdom that is from above. So there is wisdom from above. There is wisdom from God. What is wisdom if we can boil it down to its lowest common denominator so that we can all understand it and be able to recognize it? What is wisdom? Really, I believe the simplest definition is wisdom is the ability to make right decisions. Okay. That that's really what it is. I know there's a lot of other variations of, uh, good definitions of wisdom, and it's really hard to nail it down because it, it encompasses a lot, but I think generically that the overall simplest way to understand wisdom is that wisdom is the ability to make right decisions. And when you're walking in the wisdom of God, what can begin to happen is that you make right decision and another right decision and another right decision. And the path that God has for you begins to grow brighter and brighter. And it really gets easier and easier as you're walking in the wisdom of God. So if you make right decisions over and over again, you are going to enjoy the fruit the wonderful, tasteful fruit of those decisions. But my friends, if you're making wrong decisions, then you're going to have to eat the unpleasant consequences of those choices. 
Okay, so wisdom is the ability to make right decisions. There is a wisdom, there is an ability to make right decisions that comes from above, that comes from above, and you can operate in it daily, you can flow in it, and I believe that wisdom is essential not only for adults, but for for teenagers, for young children, Praise the Lord. I know one of our online church members, Brother Ethan, uh, Ethan Graham, he's 15 years old, just had his birthday yesterday, and he's a young man walking in the wisdom of God. We need to be walking in the wisdom, regardless of what your age is, and particularly from, a, from youth. You want to raise the children up to know the wisdom of God, to make right choices. You know, it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33, verse 6, that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. One more time, it says, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our time. Now, if you don't have wisdom, you're not going to have a stabilized life. And, and therefore, there will be instability because you're making wrong choices. Look, ev- look listen, my friends, very carefully. Anytime I've ever had uh, unfortunate experiences, uh, you know, loss, very troublesome situations, most of the time, it's not been the devil. It hasn't been, you know, uh, fallen angels that are working behind the scenes. A lot of it has been because I just made the wrong choice. I made the wrong choice. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. You can look back and, and see mistakes, but that's not really true. There's a lot of people that can look back and uh, they can't recognize, hey, I made a major blunder there. That's why I'm in the place that I'm in today. But my friends were here today to study the wisdom of God. And I believe that it is the wisdom of God that will make your life stable. Praise God. Hallelujah. I I have to be honest. I think one of the greatest things that the millennials need is wisdom. They, they somehow think that this is just a book for old fuddy-duddies. They somehow think that we can rewrite, rewrite or, you know, kind of redo all the boundary lines. And, uh, you know, uh, let's just move a boundary marker. It's been here for 6,000 years, but we're the new millennials, and we can do it better. So we're just going to remove it, although it's been like that for 6,000 years. We're going to rewrite uh, marriage. We don't really think it should be between a man and a woman. We think it could be between whoever loves each other. A man and a child, uh, uh, a man and a man, a woman and a woman. We're just going to rewrite things. We're smarter than all of this. But see, my friends, the wisdom of God is contained in His Word. And any time, any time you go against God's Word, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get bit. You're going to suffer uh, unnecessary loss. And the greatest loss could be even the loss of one's soul by rejecting Christ praise the Lord. So we want to put all of our faith and trust in the Lord. Follow God's wisdom. Remember, wisdom always carries instruction. There's teaching in wisdom. You have to have a a humble heart to be able to receive, to receive. Don't be like a wild horse that thinks, you know, nobody's going to bridle me. Nobody's going to ride me or teach me anything. 
But you know what? You look at those horses that are, that run wild. It may sound romantic. It may sound like, uh, you know, like it's, it's beautiful and stuff like that. But the horses have diseases. They have all kinds of health problems. Uh, they, they have a lot of situations that a horse that is uh, well taken care of does not have to endure. Praise the Lord. So we want to be teachable from the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. So there are seven pillars of wisdom. And as each pillar becomes established in your life, you're going to see an increase of God's glory in your life. Praise the Lord. So let's talk about them. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. The number one pillar uh, of wisdom being established in your life is purity. Purity or being pure is the key virtue of wisdom. It comes first before all the others. And so when temptation comes into your life and you feel weak and you want to maintain purity. You must cry out to the Lord for grace. God, give me your grace to resist temptation because there's great strength in purity and the enemy would love to steal that from you. But you must cry out to the Lord in times of trials and difficulties and temptation and say, Lord, strengthen me against any evil desire. Even call out like David did in Psalm 51 verse 10, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, there could be some things in here that I, I'm craving things and desiring things that, that I know are not right. So Lord, come and touch me and create a clean heart in me. And he'll do that. Praise the Lord. The word pure in the Greek original New Testament language is the word hagnos, and it means clean, sacred, chaste, innocent, and modest. So we bring that all together in the word pure. The number one pillar of wisdom is purity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you practice living a life of purity, then that pillar of wisdom begins to be established in your life. And the wisdom of God begins to become clearer and easier to discern and understand. It will, the wisdom of God will always have purity in it. Don't ever forget that. It is the key component of wisdom. Woo, praise the Lord. Let's go to the second pillar of wisdom, which is that of being peaceable. Peaceable. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. When you fix your mind on the Lord, there will be peace. There are so many things today in the world that are competing. I'm, I'm talking high dollar competition for your, uh, for your mind, for your attention. Uh, millions and millions of dollars are spent on commercials. You have, you have professional marketing teams. They sit down. They know uh, human emotion. They know what people like. They know what people don't like. They craft commercials. They craft advertisement. They craft uh, billboards. All of these things are designed to compete for your thought life. And so it's, uh, it can be a real challenge to enter into that place of rest where your mind is assimilating the things of God. Your mind is, 
uh, intentionally blocking out things that would pull you away from the presence of the Lord, and you begin to focus upon things that make you internally happy. Praise the Lord. You focus your mind on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and good report, and you intentionally tune out things that do not meet that criteria. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you have to be selective in what you hear. So the wisdom of God, the second pillar, is that of being peaceable. The wisdom of God is always peaceable. You want to be very careful that you don't tear up that inner peace on the inside of you. And sometimes um, it's almost like uh, the enemy will send people that want to engage you in an argument, but you don't have to participate because you can be in a world of peace and somebody uh, comes along uh, who's in a place of chaos and they want to pull you into their chaos. And if you jump into all of that, the next thing you know, you've lost your peace. So guard that, guard that peace. It is a peace that people in the world are not even cognizant of. They, they don't even know it exists. But my friends, you can be in that peace. You can be in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not just in your prayer time, not just in your devotional time, but you can be in that place 24-7. And so you want to protect the inner sanctuary of your heart because the wisdom of God is always peaceable. And you will never know the full dimension of God's wisdom if you don't have peace in your life. So establish, be determined to establish, uh, to establish that pillar of peace in your life. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just put your trust in the Lord and let the peace of God begin to flood into your heart. It'll guard your, your heart and your mind. It sets up a garrison of protection all around you. And I, I think it's a little bit of a um, interesting contrast because it's almost like you have to war to get into peace. It's like you have to fight to get into that place of rest. But I think you understand what I'm saying and also what the, the apostle Paul meant when he would talk about that. You, you have to work to get into a place of rest, but maintain that peace. It's very important in order for you to walk in the wisdom of God. You can't flow in that wisdom if your life is in turmoil. Okay? If there is just a nonstop motion and activity within your soul, you're not going to be able to discern the wisdom of God. So you have to be able to calm down. You have to be able to come into a place of inner tranquility to know the wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. Now you can see, you can see how fake wisdom could easily uh, infiltrate even many believers. Why? Because they have no peace. They're so worked up all the time. They can't discern the, the real wisdom. And so uh, they take something that's from the world, what the world has packaged as wisdom, but it's far, far below the wisdom of God. Remember the wisdom of God is above all It's from God. Therefore it's higher than any other form of wisdom because there's demonic wisdom. There's human wisdom. There's man's wisdom, but we're talking today about the wisdom of God. God, the wisdom that is from above, praise the Lord. That's what we're tapping into. And so you want that pillar of peace established in your life. Now, the scripture says that the third pillar of wisdom is that 
of being gentle. This is very important. Um, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, my friends, to realize we live in a very rough, crude world where uh, things can be loud and obnoxious and uh, things can be how can we say unpadded? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But if you have gentleness, if there's a sweetness about you and you have a sensitivity to that, you'll stand out. Oh my goodness, you'll stand out. Praise God. It's a night and day difference between a person that's harsh and rude and crude and a person that's gentle. Hallelujah. You know, many years back, I was at a dentist office and I was getting some work done on one side of one side of my mouth and the dental assistant was uh, in my mouth working and, you know, she had a couple things going at the same time. She had a metal something other she was sticking in there and from the other angle, she was sticking something else sharp in there and she was she was banging around quite a bit. I mean, I've been to the dental office before, but I'd never had some uh uh, rough treatment like this. And this was my first time to visit this particular dental office. And uh, I was laying there in the chair. She's doing all this work. And I'm, I, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to have to say something to her. This is really rough. And when I was thinking that she stopped just for a second and said, she said, uh, you know, I don't mean to be rough, but you know, she said, if I break something, not a problem, we'll fix it for free. I'm right here and I can fix it. Well, I said, hey, I'd rather you not break it in the first place because there's pain involved. But she didn't seem too concerned about that. She just kept working uh, away and so forth. But you know what? I never went back to that dental office. I wouldn't recommend anybody go there unless you just have some kind of bizarre desire to suffer pain. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, I think I'd like to suffer today. Okay, good. Go to that dental office. I can, I can give you directions. But my friends, I, I wouldn't recommend that. You want somebody that's gentle. You don't want somebody to tear your mouth up. You don't want somebody to tear your life up. You want somebody that can deal gently with you. Praise the Lord. Last week, I had to spend uh, multiple days at the hospital, at the trauma center. My mother had a very severe fall and greatly, greatly injured her back. It required extensive surgery. And uh, she came out of the surgery and she was in extreme pain. My mother, uh, she worked in the medical industry all of her adult life. And so she knows everything that they're doing to her. She knows the whole procedure. She, she's helped treat others. And the nurse, the nurse asked my mother on a scale of one to 10, one being the least, uh, the smallest, 10 being the worst and the highest, what is your pain level? She said, it's at a nine pushing pushing higher. And they had her on some of the strongest painkillers uh, that are available. And it was hardly making a dent in the pain. Well, that has come down greatly. She came through surgery just fine. But if there's anybody that you want to see treated with gentleness, it's your mother. Praise God. And it really blessed me to see the care and the gentleness of the nurses uh, as they were working on my mother, taking care of her, making sure that she's comfortable, uh, 
putting the things around her feet that will around her lower legs that will uh, kind of massage the legs because uh, she had some issues with uh, with the blood and stuff like that. So very nice to see the wonderful, wonderful care uh, that is being ministered. You want to be gentle to people. You don't want to rough people up. Life is rough enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> Glory to God. I'm telling you, if you have this pillar of wisdom in your life of being a gentle, a gentle person, uh, it will really, really attract uh, people to you. You know, I, uh, I had a neighbor one time that lived next to me and he was a very gentle man, he had a very sweet spirit. And, uh, he, he lived out on a, um, out on a farm one time. He told me this and, uh, he was in the house and he hears a door, uh, excuse me, he, he hears something by his back door, like a, not a knock, but like somebody is scratching on the back door. Somebody's trying to get his attention out on the back door. And it's like pawing or something at the back door. Well, he goes to the back door of his house and opens the door. And there's a deer that has been shot and is, has been wounded and is going to die. And it's pawing on his door because the deer knows who he is because he would always allow the deer to come into his uh, area to eat. He would even put corn out for him. He loved the animals. He loved all, of course, these are all wild animals and he loved the deer. And uh, so the deer had obviously gone over to somebody else's property and somebody else shot, shot it thought about eating it. Well, the deer is still alive and it's bleeding. It comes to his house. Why? He knows this is a gentle man. <laughs> he knows this man will not kill it. He knows this man will, uh, will try to, uh, well, basically the, the deer died in the man's arms, but the man, you know, just was like trying to be as gentle as comforting to the uh, poor animal, uh, as he could be while it lived out its life there just for a few more minutes. But I'm telling you what, if you're gentle, people will come to you. Even animals will come to you. It is a very distinct quality of wisdom. Mm. Woo, you need it. You'll need it. You'll never know the full glory of the wisdom of God if you don't have gentleness in your life. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean that you can't men, doesn't mean you can't be a man. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but I, I'm saying there needs to be gentleness in you. Glory to God. Develop this pillar of wisdom in your life. Now, the fourth pillar of wisdom is that of being able to yield. You want to be willing to yield to others. There are some decisions in our life that are not important. It's not usually important where you choose to eat at. And, you know, sometimes uh, Kelly will say, hey, where do you want to eat? Uh, but she knows that with me, that if I'm going to choose the restaurant, then it's, uh, you know, it's like I've got pizza on my mind. I've always loved pizza. Uh, the truth is I actually like pizza better than a $50 steak. I'll, I'll take a $5 slice of pizza. It's not that I don't appreciate fine food. It's not that I can't tell the difference between uh, different levels of gourmet quality, but I like, I like a good pizza. Praise the Lord. So when it comes to food, I yield. Why? Oh, my, my wife, she can eat a pizza maybe every now and then, but she's not like really, I don't know. It seems like for me, pizza is somehow encoded in my DNA, <laughs> but not for her. So what does that mean when it's time for us together to go out and eat? It means I yield. Why? Well, it's, it's just food. 
It's just food. Be willing to yield and let somebody else uh, make their selection, make their choice. And just, you know, if you do that, there's wisdom in that. And when I let Kelly pick where she wants to go, you know, I usually end up liking it. I'm like, hey, this is good. I like this. I'm glad we tried this. And sometimes other neat things will happen that uh, probably wouldn't have happened if I went just somewhere and had a slice of pizza. Okay. So you want to be willing to yield. It makes life good. And it really is something that uh, will bring more happiness into your life. Praise the Lord. You know, I ran into a situation one time where me and Kelly were buying a property and we had worked with the realtor uh, of the seller. And so the seller had a realtor. And so we just worked directly with his realtor and we came to the realtor and we had already, you know, done our homework on the property very extensively. We liked it. We saw it. Uh, he showed it to us and we said, we'll buy it. And you know what? We offered the full asking price. And so the realtor is like, wow, this is great. Pulled out the contract. We're getting everything signed and we put the deposit down, put the, uh, we put cash down. We, we had the money. We, we put it all down, signed it, uh, offered full price of what, you know, they're wanting for the, uh, for the property and everything was great. The realtor was happy. I mean, he was just like, he said, Stephen, I have shown this property literally 40 times. <laughs> hey, maybe that was his great trial, right? Because the number 40 always represents trial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. So it means trial testing. So he said, I have literally shown this property 40 times. I'm so happy that I'm, I, of course, he's happy because he's going to get a nice commission. And so he's very excited. We get all the paperwork filled out. And uh, so he calls the seller and says, hey, he tells the seller, I just sold, I just sold your property. Stephen Brooks and his wife have bought it. And they, they uh, are paying full, the full asking price. And uh, th this is great. It's a wrap. After, after all this time trying to sell it, we've, we've sold it. And you know what the seller said? He said, uh, he said, you sold it? He goes, the, real, the realtor said, yes. And the seller said, um, he goes, oh, he said, I just leased it a few, a few hours ago. And the realtor said, you, you leased it? Well, you can't lease it. We have a, he said, you and I have a seller realtor contract. You, you can't do these things without telling me you, not only that, it, was, it wasn't for lease. It, it's for sale. You, you can't lease it. And the seller said, well, he said, I leased it. And so the realtor, realtor goes, uh, okay. And he hangs up the phone and he said, uh, I said, and I knew the realtor and I were on the same page. We, we knew number one, that legally what the seller had just done was was not legal you, you can't do that that's why you have contracts because sometimes people could do something silly so the realtor knew that was wrong what the seller had just done i knew it was wrong and not only was it legally wrong it was ethically wrong if you're working with somebody you don't go and do something behind their back when this person is representing you and you're out there on the front lines doing this and he's over here doing something completely different. No. And so, but you know what the thing we, me and the realtor both just spontaneously knew because he's filled with the Holy spirit. I'm filled with the Holy spirit. We both said, let's just back off. We'll back off. Uh, we'll, we'll tear the contract up. If, if, if he's not willing to change or something, we'll just tear it up because my friends, 
you need to understand this in life. There is the wisdom of being able to yield, a willingness to yield. It some, sometimes if you force something through, you're going to force it anyhow. If you're having to do that, the wisdom of God is probably absent from that situation. You have to have something in you that says, I, if need be, I'm willing, I'm willing to yield here, you know, because there's flexibility in the Lord. We're not talking about heaven or hell. These are not uh, doctrinal issues that are, that are fundamental of the faith. No, this is just the sale. This is just the purchase of a property. So, you know, my life is not wrapped up in this. And so the realtor and I, we both just backed off from it. But, you know, within hours, the seller called back and told the realtor, he said, you know what? That was totally wrong what I did. He said, I didn't have any right to do that. And that was wrong the way I did that behind your back. And not only that, how stupid of me that I would actually lease the property out right at the exact moment when you're selling it. Wow. So he said, I called the person that I had leased it to and said, I made a mistake. I didn't even have the, uh, the uh, ability to do that. So the person that thought they were going to lease it uh, there was no contract. It was just, they, so that whole thing was called off and the seller said, he said, please go ahead and let Stephen Brooks buy, buy the property. And so we did, we did. And it went so smooth. It was, it was almost, well, it wasn't almost, it actually, it was a miracle the way that the Lord um, worked everything out so that we could buy that property. But my friends, um, you want to have a grace where you yield you, you yield. And when me and that realtor backed off, we were just like, let's see what the Lord does. We're going to put this in the Lord's hands. And the Lord just worked it out so quick, so quick. It was amazing. But that is a pillar of wisdom, a willingness to yield. Praise the Lord. May that pillar be established in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Number five is being full of mercy and good fruits. I want to read a verse to you. I love this verse because I believe in the scripture, when you look at the primary attribute of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I believe the the lead attribute is actually mercy. And this is actually how the Lord introduced himself up front and in person to Moses. Watch this. This is Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. That would be Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord and the Lord passed before him. Okay. So the Lord's going to pass before Moses. He passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. Notice the first thing that God proclaims about himself personally to Moses is that he's merciful. Okay, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Okay, so the Lord said that He is merciful. That's the first thing He listed about Himself when He revealed Himself very personally, like that to Moses on the mountain. So we need to be full of mercy. That is a pillar of wisdom is to be full of mercy. And I think there's something about the mercy of God where, you know, sometimes people, they just need a break. And there are legitimate cases where a person made a mistake. They, it wasn't an issue of their heart. It was just a mental slip. 
and there's things that you look at and you just need to, I believe at times extend mercy because I think when we look at our own lives, we see how we have slipped up. We have done things and you know, just like I know that it was the mercy of God that covered it. And if God hadn't covered it, then there, somebody would have gotten in trouble. Praise the Lord. So we thank God for his mercy that's covered us. Praise the Lord. And so, of course, we receive that mercy. But I believe we should also, when we need to, extend that mercy. If, if you're going to err on judgment or mercy, and you're trying to decide which way to go, and, and if you don't know, I'd say lean towards the mercy side. Why? Because I, I would certainly want somebody to lean towards that way. If I were in, in those shoes, I would want somebody to have mercy towards me. And there are those when they are given that mercy, they, uh, they don't abuse it. And you see amazing, beautiful turnarounds. And it makes you happy that you gave them that opportunity that you didn't, you know, shut something off or that you didn't, you know, hand somebody a pink slip or whatever the case might be. You show mercy. Praise God. God is good. He's shown so much to us. That is one of his key attributes, even listed first. Praise God. Which is, which is his mercy. So let that mercy be in your life. Now, it says mercy and good fruits. So what happens is that when you walk in the wisdom of, of mercy, you're full of mercy, then the fruit of the Spirit automatically begins to flow out of your life. And that would be the nine fruit that are mentioned in the book of Galatians, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control that emanates from a person who is full of mercy. I don't think you can even have the fruit of the spirit in your life. If you don't have any mercy for people, praise the Lord. But when you have a merciful heart, hallelujah, then the fruit automatically follows a person who is full of mercy. This is pillar number five of wisdom that needs to be in your life. As you operate and practice the mercy of God, then you'll see this pillar established in you. And thus the wisdom of God begins to flow. You're making right decisions. You're making right decisions. You're making right decisions over and over. Why? These seven pillars are being built in your life and they're being strengthened in your life. Praise the Lord. And that's what supports the never ending flow of God's wisdom in you. Praise the Lord. Number six, the wisdom of God is without partiality. Without partiality. We really do need to love all people. Pastor Stephen, we need to take the gospel to the Jews. We need to take it to the Jews. Well, yes, let's take it to the Jews. And after we've taken it to the Jews, let's take it to the Arabs. After all, Jesus died for the Arabs too, right? Hallelujah. Let's, hey, let's take it to the whole world. Amen. Praise the Lord. We, we don't need to show partiality. We need to love and reach out and bless and help um, all that we can. Those that God puts in our path, whoever it is, that's the person that we reach out and extend the blessing to. Praise God. You know, uh, this past Sunday I was ministering in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and uh, you know, the service started at 10 and they got me up there very quickly, but, uh, and I, I began to, you know, preach and, and then began to minister to the people. 
but you know it was it was well after one o'clock when things begin to uh, kind of taper off. And the pastor uh, told me after the service, he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, he said, what you did is the exact same type of ministry that R.W. Schambach did when he came to our church years back. He said, you did the same thing he did. I said, well, what was that? He said, you stayed and prayed over every single person that came up for prayer. Well, it, it did take over two hours to do that. But yes, I stayed there and prayed over every single person. He said, that was, he said, I really loved seeing that because that's the same thing old brother R.W. Schambach uh, did when he came. You stayed and prayed for everybody. And you know what? If a person's willing to come and they're hungry, they're, they're also willing to wait while I'm working my way down the healing line then, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to pray and minister for people, but we, we don't need to uh, separate things. Uh, we don't need to have partiality. In, in other words, if you're there in the line, I'm going to pray for you. Whether you're short, tall, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter what your condition is. It doesn't matter if this is a, a hard case to cure or an easy, so-called easy case to cure. I, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, if you're in the line, I'm praying for you. And I'm going to believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. And so I prayed for every single person. Don't have partiality. Can I, can I tell you something amazing? I'm smelling, also I'm smelling strawberries right now. Strawberries represent faith. Mm, glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, this past Sunday when I was ministering, praying over all of those people and had been ministering nonstop for about three hours. Do you know when the strongest anointing was? This is why you don't want to have partiality. Okay. The strongest anointing came probably within the last 10 or 15 minutes after I'd prayed for maybe, or after I'd ministered for about two hours and 15 minutes, the anointing came on me so strong, so strong. And by this time, there's only maybe 30 people standing around. That, that's it. Everybody else has been prayed over. Uh, everybody else has even left the sanctuary. They've been dismissed. They've left. But there's still those that were just so hungry. That just They just loved being around the glory because there was a manifestation of God's glory that was quite strong. And the, the, the anointing began to get so strong on me. And then God began to do some unusual things. Woo, hallelujah. Now see, if you have partiality and you say, well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, you know, everybody's left, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter now. No, you stay and minister all the way to the last person. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And because I did that, the glory was just, uh, it, it was very, very beautiful. Some unusual things happened. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Why does that happen? See, that's, that's wisdom. The wisdom is don't have partiality. Love, love people. Respect, respect everybody. Praise the Lord. Reach out to anybody that has an open heart. Praise God. There's wisdom in that. So in order to experience this glorious wisdom of God, don't have partiality. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's very important. And the seventh pillar of wisdom is that wisdom must not have hypocrisy. Mm. We need to be sincere people. Let us not be hypocritical. Praise the Lord. One time, a pastor friend of mine was, he was up preaching. The, uh, the praise and worship team had gotten into a habit of leading the praise and worship, 
And then when they were done leading the praise and worship, the pastor would come up and preach. Okay. So what the praise and worship team would do is when they finished, they would go back behind the stage. And then that after the pastor is done preaching, he would call them back up and they would come out and then they would do kind of like, you know, background support while he begins to minister. What the pastor did not know is that the worship team had kind of gotten into a system of they knew how long he preached for. He would preach for about 45 minutes, almost like clockwork every single time. So they would finish their time of leading praise and worship. They would go back behind the stage. And then because they realized he's so consistent with preaching for 45 minutes, they stopped waiting behind the stage and they went back to the green room area and they would watch a certain television show. I won't say what it was, but it <laughs> uh, certainly not anything you should be watching when you're supposed to be in the spirit, backing up the man of God, by the way, who's giving the leaders a paycheck for doing what they're doing. Well, it would happen that one of those times the pastor the pastor finished his message quite early. The Holy Spirit had him finish it early. And then he wa- he's wanting to minister to the people. And he's like, where's my praise and worship team? Well, the, pra- the praise and worship team is back in the back watching television. And they, they don't know that he's, he's like publicly saying, where's my praise and worship team? He's cause he's saying, okay, c- uh, come on out team and, uh, and help me out. And the, nobody's coming out from, from back behind the, you know, the veil so to speak. And he's like, somebody go find out where the praise and worship team is at. Well, somebody found out they came back and with a loud voice said, pastor, they're back there in the room watching the so-and-so show on television. And the whole church heard that. And the pastor heard that he was, mm -hmm, hallelujah. He wasn't happy. (laughs) Woo, glory. Look, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't act spiritual when you know in your heart you're not. You know, the, you know that that whole team, that whole praise and worship team, stand before the people, oh, 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 and then walk off in then minutes, just totally doing something different, to- total total hypocrisy. Mm. And if you if you don't have a pillar in your life, a pillar of wisdom built into your life where you're like, look, I'm going to be sincere. I'm not going to play this hypocritical thing. I'm not, not getting caught up in it. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. And you can be a strong pull sometimes. It really has to be a pillar that's built into your life. When the apostle Paul went to Antioch, Peter was there. It's a very powerful church there. And so Peter would hang out with the Gentile Christians and, you know, of course, if you're a Gentile and you're a Christian, you're eating whatever you want. It doesn't matter if it's pork barbecue or, you know, shrimp kebab or whatever it is. Any, anything that, according to the Mosaic law, was unclean. Well, they, you know, these are Gentiles. They, they don't know about all of that. So Peter's hanging out with him, and all the Gentile Christians are, you know, eating and doing their Gentile stuff, right? Not sinful stuff, but just stuff that, uh, that, you know, they had no exposure to the Mosaic law. So they're saved by grace through faith and they're happy in Christ and they're enjoying life. And Peter's hanging out with them, having a fun time. And so, you know, Paul, uh, Paul comes in and he's kind of checking everything out. 
And he notices that when the leaders from the Jerusalem church, who were still really struggling with that issue of the law, had a lot of that law mentality still still in their head that you're you're justified by works well when those guys came to, uh, over to Antioch Peter flipped his behavior when those guys showed up and suddenly now he's very distant from the uh, from the Gentile Christians and acts like and acts like you know he's still orthodox and uh, and Paul said that the hypocrisy was so thick and was so sweeping people uh, up into it. He said, even Barnabas got carried away by it. And Barnabas is doing the same thing. So Paul said, he stood up in front of everybody and confronted Peter and confronted Peter. And you know, Peter was just like, you know what? You're right. You're, you're flat out right. I've been acting like a total hypocrite. Praise the Lord. My friends, build a pillar of wisdom in your life that you will not play the hypocrite. Even if you have to stand alone, you stand with the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's something about hypocrisy that if it's not repented of, eventually God will expose it. And it's very embarrassing. I'm sure it's very uncomfortable. So we want to have that pillar in our lives where we never play this double game where we, we present we're one thing, but in reality, we've got a double life going on over here. Be very, very careful with that because in, in revival, you, you can't, you can't do that. There have been churches in revival where if you don't repent of your sin and stop it, it, it gets exposed in, in some of these revival meetings. It get, it'll get exposed in every single meeting. You can't hide. It's going to come out through tongues and interpretation. It's going to come out through prophecy because God wants, a, he wants a church. He wants a bride without spot or wrinkle. So when the glory is in manifestation and, and the spirit's really moving, you cannot play the hypocrite. It will be, it will absolutely be exposed. And usually in churches like that, uh, you know, th this is not about a numbers game. This is not about like, we've got a great big church. Let's just bring it. No, that, that's why when that revival was taking place in Jerusalem, Ananias and Sapphira had died. The Lord struck them down. They, they had died. And then Peter's under this tremendous anointing where even if you got within shadow proximity of him, the, the anointing, the glory was so strong on him, you could get healed. Now, you notice later in the ministry of Peter, he's not operating under that same anointing. Why? That, that was a major outpouring of the Spirit going on right there. But I tell you what, in atmospheres like that, you cannot, you cannot be a hypocrite, be living one way, but acting like you're all, got it all, like you're spiritual. No, that's, that is very, very dangerous. Let the pillar of sincerity in your life be built. Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is essential that if you're going to walk in the wisdom of God, that you not be a hypocrite. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Let these pillars, these seven pillars be erected in your life and the wisdom of God will flow unceasingly in your life. And look at the following verse, verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The more you make right decisions, 
That's what wisdom is. It's the ability to make the right decisions. And you, you just make them and you make them and you keep making them. that's walking in wisdom. Okay. When you walk in wisdom like that and you're making right decisions, what's going to happen? Righteousness will invade your life. And it, it, it is the fruit of righteousness is so nice. It, it is so, uh, uh, it is so much of a representation of your life presenting Christ to, to the people praise the Lord. And so what happens is that instead of just um, receiving the bread of God's word, what happens is you, you actually become transformed by the spirit of God into bread. And because of your righteous life and walking in the wisdom of God, now you, your life starts feeding people. Why? Because Christ in you, the hope of glory is shining out of you through glory, through acts of wisdom. And you're, you're, it's like you're, you've become bread and you feed people glory to God. You, you're just, Christ is in you. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's not so much that you even preach a message. You become the message. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> right. But in order to do that, you, you need these seven pillars in your life. Heavenly Father, we ask today that these beautiful pillars be established within our hearts. Do your work, O oh God. Be glorified in our lives. We thank you. We ask you for your wisdom. Fill us with your wisdom. Thank you, Father God. Touch your people today. Touch your people with your wisdom, and let it be ever increasing in their lives. We, we thank you that James said in, in chapter 1 that if we ask, you'll give it. You won't rebuke us or upbraid us or get upset because we're asking, but that you will give it to us. So we thank you that wisdom is coming and that you're establishing these seven pillars of wisdom in our life so that we'll be sustained and increased. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. Let's take communion today. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Father, we consecrate and bless this bread and this juice. We thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, Jesus said, eat my flesh. So, Father, by faith we do that. We partake of, of his body now, and we receive wisdom without doubting, without wavering, uh, wavering. <laughs> glory. We receive wisdom. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Too many W's for me this early in the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let us now receive the wisdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that when we make right choices, things go good. Thank you, Father. Fill us with your wisdom. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we made the wisest decision we could ever make. We, we, we accepted Jesus. We accepted Jesus. And if you're watching today, and if you've never done that, the wisest thing that you could ever do is not a financial investment. It's to receive Christ. And if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will live with him in heaven forever. So accept him now. Invite him into your heart. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me from my sins. I give my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. If you do that right now, he'll save you. Praise God. So do that. 
do that right now to be the wisest thing you've, you've ever done glory to God father we thank you that Jesus is our wisdom our righteousness and our sanctification we receive his blood now amen let's drink glory to God glory to God I see those pillars fashioned and formed in you glory you look wonderful in the Lord hallelujah the glory of the Lord rising up on you as you walk in wisdom my friends thanks for watching I'll see you back next time bye bye for more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks visit our website at stephenbrooks.org